Good evening, Crypt Keepers, and welcome to a special episode of Cryptique. In the corner to my right, he stands six foot five and weighs in at an undisclosed weight, hailing from the gateway to the west. Ryan, Lil Kong Bundy. What's up, brother? <laughs> Not a whole lot, man. That is. I didn't see that. I didn't expect that. I knew he had some wrestling stuff in here, and I was surprised that we you hadn't mentioned anything about it when we were texting earlier. For those of you listening, I was stopped one time walking into the Fox Theater in St. Louis by a security guy who just looked me dead in the eye and said, King Kong Bundy. And I just repeated that, King Kong Bundy, and he goes, spit an image. And I had to look him up again. I was like, oh, my God. He's right. Mm. <laughs> I tried to find him after the concert. And I, You're much better anyway, than King um, Kong Bundy. I hope so. King Kong Bundy looks like an egg wearing a leaf head. Yeah. Or at least he did He looks like then. the guy from Goonies, kind of. Like, I mean, I'm surprised <laughs> you didn't just pummel that guy that said that right there. Was he a big guy, too? Or? I was... No, he was about my height, but mm. he was kind of skinny. No, I was just so shocked by it. I was like, King Kong Bundy. Haven't had that yet. I don't think people would... I mean... People might call me, say I look like Jimmy Hart, the mouth of the South. That's about it, though. I don't think I'd get accused of looking like a wrestler. But anyway, thought that would be funny. So let's get into it. What are we talking about tonight? Tonight we explore a decades-long investigation led by Jon Stewart. Not the comedian, but a researcher who's dedicated to unraveling the mystery or enigma, you might even say around the authenticity of a VHS tape that allegedly captured the interrogation of a gray alien back in 1991. Stewart was intrigued by the tape's realistic portrayal and consulted experts who found no obvious signs of forgery. Astonishingly, he connected with medical and military personnel involved in the alleged interrogation, only to later discover a group of disgruntled insiders from Area 51's S-4 facility claiming responsibility for the leak. So, join us as we navigate through Stewart's journey and his compelling conclusion that the tape is indeed authentic, or at least probably, and leaked by an insider known only as Victor. The illustrious one, John Stewart. Welcome to Cryptique. How are you? Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, the illustrious one is... You know that's that's part of your background too that was a cool character and yeah uh so yeah i mean i think keeping the illustrious one is is a good thing now if you had some kind of you know weird title or some you know crazy crazy kenny or something like that you wouldn't like, want to keep that right right that's a good point yeah illustrious one is very british and you know makes you feel like uh you know some kind of royal ship in the 1800s you know cruising <laughs> in the south seas well, I was going to say, I've been playing a lot of Assassin's Creed lately. That sounds like somebody who'd be pulling the strings of some multinational cult back in the day. Yeah, right, right. Running Sitting in a high-back leather chair yeah. in a castle in Germany. Right. Before we get to the video we're all dying to talk about, can you just give us a background on your life as an athlete and a politician? Yeah, sure. Uh, grew up in the city of Chicago, uh, the far northwest side. Great middle-class neighborhood. Played high school football. Uh, took a walk-on, invited uh, invited walk-on, uh, get your grades up, get a scholarship next year deal at Memphis State. 
1985, which is when, and I took that because I, I knew wrestling was popular down there and it was like mm. the mafia back in the mid eighties. And sure I'm not enough. even joking. Yeah. You know, there wasn't judge go to our wrestling school and you know, you, you literally had to figure out and, and finagle, I'm not going to say scam, but finagle a way to meet a wrestler, meet a promoter, then convince that person that you're serious enough to guard the secret. Mm -hmm. And then be put through the harassment, the hazing, like a fraternity, and then go through the training and, and Buddy Wayne, the not the current Buddy Wayne, but the Memphis legend, Buddy Wayne, mm -hmm. who was one of the best storytellers ever, um, trained me like he was trained in the 50s. The true mm -hmm. story. Mm -hmm. And he was trained in the 50s, how they trained in like the 30s and 40s, <laughs> just or the late 40s, just as the Goldust Trio started to put together spots and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I am very proud to say I was trained like a probably a late 30s, early 1940s pro wrestler, you know, mixed in with some modern stuff. And um, I did that to full time till 93. My biggest stint was with Vern Gagne on the AWA mm -hmm. ESPN. And um, I did a promoting for 10 years and was an active um, uh, talent, wrestled mm -hmm. every, every name in the book. Uh, our promotion had the still to this day, the largest one day payout for an independent wrestling promotion which we paid The Rock uh, $32,500 for an appearance in Brooklyn in 2000. And uh, so very proud of that. Mm -hmm. And um, ran for Congress in 99 in the 2000. And then uh, ran for governor in uh, two, for Illinois in the Libertarian Party in 2000 and, uh, for the 18. And then uh, was requested to be a fill-in candidate for Secretary of State uh, last November. Or God, I think it's even been a year now. Well, anyways, in 2022, in November of 22, I was a replacement candidate for Illinois Secretary of State for the Libertarian Party because their candidate got booted off the ballot. Mm -hmm. And I've uh, been in the businessman in the uh, uh, real estate in the automobile industry for 30 years. My family was in the automobile industry, and now I am semi-retired and um, doing crazy things like investigating this uh, bizarre alien interview. Well, you've certainly led a magnificent life. I mean, getting yes. to play college football is, is, you know, people don't understand, well, maybe it's not the NFL, but there's still 80,000 people at those stadiums. So, you yeah. know, it's, it's a big deal and it's gotta, it's just gotta electrify you when you walk out there and, you know, whether it's wrestling or football or, you know, coming on a podcast that, you know, you've, you've got to get your energy up and be ready to rock. Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if it was early on in my life. I, I just saw a bunch of 40 and 50 year old men. I am not saying this to be cruel or mean. I'm just saying this as a very, a, a, a joy. Um, a, uh, I'm glad I observed this. I just observed a lot of men in their middle age, not happy. Not my, yeah. and my father was the antithesis. My father was in the car business. He was great at his career. He always made money. He was always happy. You know, which is really cool to see your parents always in a freaking yeah. good mood. Yeah. Not to do because they're insane, but because, you know, <laughs> they're, they're doing well and they're, they're, they just, you know, made a happy life. And so, but I saw a lot of men that were not happy and I, and I especially saw that in the wrestling business, believe it or not, you know, yeah. um, when you start off in these smaller promotions, I started off in Jerry Lawler, Jer Jeff Jarrett's dad, uh, Jared's uh, Memphis promotion. And it was a great, you know, we wrestled in big arenas at the time, believe it or not, but there were, 
you know, guys just starting and guys finishing up their career. And the guys finishing up their career were not very happy. We're not in a good place. Most of them were divorced one or two times, living yeah. in a crappy apartment. And I, you know, that that had a negative effect on me of not really um, being maniacally motivated to keep calling and knocking on doors sure. and going to the back of the arenas and really promoting myself. Um, sure. and again, I don't fall off your chair. It's a pro wrestler that's taking accountability and blaming himself. So, you know, <laughs> they don't do guy, guys who are still alive, uh, who are my colleagues don't take blame a lot, but, um, yeah. so I, to answer your question, a long story, I just thought, look, I'm going to go do everything that comes to my mind with as long as I can still make money as a business person and take care of my family. And if I can make money in these other, other avenues like wrestling or it, it, so be it great. And so, um, yeah, I've been, I just was very blessed to have this mindset of you, you look, this is not a dress rehearsal. You go one time around, go out and do it. And I had this alpha male personality. So, and I had a psychologist that told me, look, I, I have a personality where I, I swing for the fence. So how can you, how can you think you're going to run for governor and win? You've never even won and in politics. Well, you know, that's maybe my ego or my personality says, no, swing for the fences. Sometimes lightning can strike. So I've done, I've tried to do some crazy things. Uh, Ryan would have it so much better off now. He's on the Illinois side. If if you were running things, I think he'd be a lot happier. Yeah. yeah, I think it would be. <laughs> what? Oh, God, I didn't want him to get started. All I know is I was the first candidate to have legalized marijuana on my website. All the Democrats and Republicans told everyone I was I was crazy. I was um, going to start drug wars. It was going to be the downfall of Illinois. And then all of a sudden... Governor Pritzker, when he was running against me, said, hmm, how much money do you think we can collect a year? Mm. $450 million? Then he put it on his website. And then uh, Bruce Rauner put it on his website. And then this guy was for marijuana, legalizing marijuana. So I am very proud of that, that I, that I literally started that trend. And we're taking in three to $450 million a year in taxes um, for something that I feel that I at least kicked the ball over and that and started the ball rolling. Absolutely. That's something to be proud of. We need, we just need honest people in politics. Oh, God, I think, totally. I mean, if, if everyone would just be honest, I, I think yeah. things would uh, yeah. straighten up for us a little bit, yeah. but we don't want to get too much into that. No, no, no. I know that. Yeah, you're right. So, so what I want to do right now, if it's okay with you, I want to have Ryan uh, play the video of okay. the alien interrogation. Okay. And I want you to kind of walk us through it. Sure. Because, you know, I've sat and watched it. Ryan sat and watched it, okay. but we don't have, you know, the time and effort to go through it like you did. So. Yeah. We don't have the depth of research. Yeah. I will give the uh, narrative from knowing all the facts now, or at least we believe what to believe the facts. Right. This is one thing I want to get across to you and your listeners and viewers is that I hope people can appreciate. I am one of the, the first UFO researchers since the forties that tells you, I don't know for sure. I'm just right. on this journey. This is what was told to me. This is what I saw. Is it real? I don't know. Um, this is my story. This is one. This is what I vetted. This is what one person said. It cooperates with another person. And I tell people, you make the decision. You make the call. I'm just telling you what was told and what I found. 
Please Perfect. don't think that I am ramming this down people's throats, that it's real, or I believe 100% it's real. I don't. I, I still, after five years, can't conclusively say what the hell is going on with this video, the provenance of it, and what has happened to me personally. Perfect. All right. All right. Let her rip, Brian. Okay. Okay. You are looking at the interview suite uh, down underneath the S2 Site 2. Uh, the S2 Alpha Annex. This is the building above ground and be below the S2 Alpha, which is an administrative uh, building, is S3 and the S4 complex. And uh, this uh, video took place down at the fourth level of S4. You are looking at a type three, they called an other gray. Uh, type one is the gray alien with the almond eyes. Type two is a slightlier bone color uh, alien with slightly almond eyes. This is the type three with round eyes uh, in a tan or bone colored skin. This is a haploid. Uh, human beings are diploids. We carry two sexual chromosomes. This little guy carried only one sexual chromosome. He, uh, his race species uh sexually reproduced not with uh, sexual reproduction uh, they are non-placenta beings they do not carry a fetus in their body uh they are reap some of them some of the grays this gray reproduces in vitro um and uh, some of the other grays reproduce with a a kind of gland device and the female has a female gland device but this is not this species came to the s2 facility in 1989, I do not have any corroborating evidence of what crash or how he came. And I don't know if he actually crashed in 1989. All I can confirm is that he did arrive at the facility from wherever in 1989. This interview was from April 22nd, 1991 at around 3.15 in the afternoon. The Department of Naval Intelligence which is, was inserting thought projection questions to this being. There was a line of other three-letter agencies ready to come in and insert their questions. You see a military aide on our right. Uh, a military uh, army general in class A dress uniform is to our left once we lighten the film. Uh, you'll see the bizarre monitor to the beans uh, in front of the bean. We still don't know what this is. These are the two medics. One researcher thinks that's Connie Mariano, a White House physician uh, for Bill Clinton on the alien's right, uh, alien's left, our right. The doctor on the alien's right, our left, has been identified by his widow, his second wife. He died in California sometime around 2014. I contacted his wife, his widow. She has identified him in this video, said he was secretive, would never talk about his time in the U.S. Army Medical Corps. So he was an Army medical doctor um, uh, uh, taking care of, uh, of this being. Funny, funny, again, when I talk about corroborating people who don't know each other in different eras, Victor said about the medical staff, they are chosen more for their ability to keep secrets than their medical knowledge. 30 years later, I contact a widow in her 80s, I think, or early, late 70s, who the number one thing about her husband, who she says is the doctor on our left, is he was secretive. Mm -hmm. A little weird. Unless there's a big conspiracy lasting 30 years from senior citizens to hoax a fat guy from Chicago, um, it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty strange. So, um, we have, uh, 
And I'll just go a little bit forward, jumping a little bit forward. We have proven with another two other podcasters independently mm -hmm. um, who Victor is his face. He's not Bob Dean. It's not Bob Lazar. It's not Willie Stryber. It's not the director. It's Dr. Victor Marchetti. He looks like a guy with fetal alcohol syndrome. He's got no upper lip, basically. And with his wig and beard, looks like a 1970s stock car driver, if you want my opinion. Or um, a werewolf. Total, yeah, a total. I first I saw his picture. I'm like Austin Powers, nerd alert. But a nerd that would be in like a bar with his members only jacket in the 80s. I'm not being derogatory, but a nerd in, in a bar in like California in the 80s going, hey, I got my used Corvette outside. I want to take a ride down the coast. That kind of nerd who thinks he's, and I don't know why I derived this from him. Um, so, but yeah, so, um, and I just tell skeptics because the UFO world, government and Hollywood all told me and everyone else 30 years ago, if you find out who Victor is, well, you're going to find out about the film. If he's an actor, well, then this is a hoax. If mm -hmm. he's not an actor, God forbid, if he's a government employee or a retired government employee, what the hell are we looking at then? Yeah. Is a government employee carrying around and, and producing a hoaxed video? Um, and talking for hours about the alien retention program and going on Art Bell for an hour and a half, taking unrehearsed questions and coming mm -hmm. back in an 08 documentary going, come on, why hasn't anybody found out who I am? Where are the FOIA requests? Why aren't you analyzing the film? Find the puppet maker. Prove the mm -hmm. alien's fake. Prove who I am. Come on. Come on, UFO researchers. I find that very hard to believe that that is actually an actor. And um, not jumping forward either, we, we we're starting to get a expert in lie detection because Victor really doesn't show himself. So we can't do fate movements, right. and facial movements. So simply based on, on verbiage and words, um, just the nine minutes in the first documentary, this lie detection expert, okay. Said that Victor did something Bob Lazar did not do, or uh, Victor did not do something that Bob Lazar did do. Bob Lazar talked about the UFO craft as craft saucer. It, object the um the uh the uh he, he had five different definite definitions when he saw the craft inside the hangar that is the hallmark of a liar or someone making it up victor describes the et as alien or being in all three interviews alien mm -hmm. being alien or being and the lie detection person said that is somebody who um who is not telling a lie when they describe the money shot, so to speak, if you're describing a plane crash or, you know, a UFO or an ET right. money shot is the crash, the UFO, the ET, um, you would only describe it one way. He also, the lie detection expert, just with the nine minutes said that, uh, Victor is not reticent. He says, I don't know, maybe possibly, Liars are emphatic because they want to drive the story, the hoax, the lie down your throat. I know for sure. Yes, definitely. You know, this is correct. This is it. This is real. Sure. And the, even the lie detection expert, even then in the nine minutes are like, I, I really thought this was going to be a joke. This guy is coming across like he is at least truthful. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's just, you know, this is this thing is is uh, organic, this investigation. It just keeps going on and on. And it's five years and no one, no one in the government and Hollywood UFO skeptics with any credible evidence that would pass a independent mediator investigator has come forward to me or anyone else 
and said that this is a hoax and this is why I know it's a hoax. And we find it hard to believe that after 30 years, this incredible animatronic doll, the guy or the woman that made this hasn't come forward in 30 years. Really? The alien autopsy, yeah. that guy came forward in three days. You know, I'm being facetious, but crazy. Nobody who did the catering that day for the production, nobody that did the wardrobe, nobody that made the monitor, the two doctors, if they were, if this was a hoax, they have never come forward. No one involved in the, the, the person that rented the soundstage for this film because they did shoot b-roll nobody's come forward how do you explain mm -hmm. this and we now know victor is not bob dean so i'm throwing this back to the skeptics with a 2500 challenge prove it's bob dean i'll throw 2500 in your bank account so fast it'll make your head spin i've even told people mm -hmm. if you can prove with three aspects that it's bob dean sitting in that chair in the rocket interview i'm gonna fly to your house and hand you 2500 cash hmm. haven't had any emails in about three days so still yeah waiting. i mean i can't imagine that somebody that would take the time to put a, a puppet or a suit or whatever you want to call it together could keep their mouth shut they just i just don't Thank think you. they could i think they'd have Thank to be you, like sir. no 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 this is this i made 30 this. years later 30 yeah. years later you're not at a pool party bragging to some girl, hey, I created that alien puppet. You want to go home with me? <laughs> Hollywood people it, are the biggest braggers in the world. You know. Well, it would probably be worth a fortune, too. Yeah. The, the actual yeah. puppet. Yeah, where so. is it? I mean, we could put that on the auction block and probably sell that thing for $100,000 to a really, you know, a, a, UFO, a millionaire that's a UFO person that would love to have that in their collection. Like, that is such a great point. Where is the puppet? Where? Yeah, somebody from like Jim Henson's company would definitely have said, I made it, we have it in this closet, I'll sell it to Thank Zach you. Bagans for his weird museum for $100,000. I mean, even Patterson-Gimlin film, who we hired the video expert, by the way, okay? I went to the top. National Geographic hired him, I hired him too for this video. And even even in the Patterson Gimlin film, we have four or five people saying, no, I was there on the camping trip. I wore the Bigfoot costume. Whether it's true or not, we, mm. we, we've got people, the people in the town. Are you crazy? We all knew it was hoax. Not one person in Hollywood. You mean the woman or the, the family or the husband? I'm trying to be gender neutral. Who did the catering that day? Because you can't have a production without food. Somebody dropped off muffins or Kool-Aid pop. <laughs> They haven't come forward. Come on. Hey, Jesus Christ, come on, folks. And I'm not saying it's real. I'm just like. No, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, to like we just talked about, we, we talk about it all the time that when someone says, I don't know, that's such a powerful statement about their character because they're Amen. willing to just admit like, hey, let's fix this together. Let's find this together. They're exactly. reaching out for help. Whereas people As that I've been say doing. they know it all yeah, or right. the people that just want to debunk, they've got it all right. figured out already. But right. one of the things that you focused on, because it, it, there's not a whole lot in this video to focus on aside from the actual alien and then the monitor. And you did a deep dive into the monitor. What can you tell us about that? We'll be back with Jon Stewart after a quick break. Welcome back to Cryptique with John Stewart. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I don't want people to fall off their chair because I'm going to tell you both sides, the special effects people. And so I called three experts that were doing their PhD on the history of physiological monitors, space labs that did monitors for NASA, Hewlett-Packard. I'll give you the, the elevator story. All of them said we've never seen that before. We have absolutely no idea. The older man from Space Lab said it looks like a one-off where you would make a special device, one of a special device, um, that there's only one, and you would make it and create this and design it to help you solve a scientific or some kind of issue that you're working on, whether you're trying to find gold or see a planet in the sky or maybe monitor a weird physiological uh, heart-lung organ of a, of a being. We've had other people in the special effects field, and don't fall off your chair. I'm not, I, you know, I have to give both sides, right? If I have no credibility, who said, yeah, nobody's ever seen it because it's a fake monitor. It's two pieces of glass together with a light bar in between. So I go research and I'm like, okay, that's okay. So like, that's why nobody knows about it. Cause it's not real. It's two mm -hmm. pieces of glass. This was what was told me in a light bar and the light bar was bounced up and down with a servo. Okay. I go research light bars. I go research light bars in 2023. All of them have solid lights. Like there's not a, um, like a uh, drag strip, like a dot, 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 dot. You know, you, I, I could at least not find that in 2023. So how did you find it in 1996? Then the guy that did the Patterson-Gimlin analysis sees that it's not two panes of glass together. It's molded metal around the monitor with a fin on top, a little bullet cartridge protrusion. Why are we making special designs in this metal? If we're just fabricating, they'll make it look like a, why would you yeah. make metal around it when the room is dark and no one is ever going to see it? They're just going to yeah. see the light. Why would you do all of this extra stuff? I'm going forward. The little millimeter movements of the eyebrow. Why are you doing this? on a two-minute film, spending thousands of extra dollars putting radio control cables to move the eyebrow a little bit when no one's going to notice it 30 until 30 years later. I mean, why? For Jay and I, I, I think the mouth movement was the one that got both of us. When you look really closely at the way it opens its mouth when it starts having these convulsions or whatever it is, that was unbelievable, right? It, it would be so hard to make it, yeah, to make it so smooth and there's no, like, smooth. There you go, nothing. Ryan. Yeah. Exactly. There's nothing that makes it look like it's being controlled externally. Correct. There's no, like, rod or lines coming off of it. Yeah. And yeah. I've seen 2023 mouse open and it's still like, you know, it's like, it's still mechanical looking. And not only does this mouth open, folks, if you zoom up the face at the end, you're not going to believe how smooth, like Ryan said, the mouth goes. But at the one time it goes open and then the bottom lip independently goes like a rusting bitch face. How, <laughs> how is this happening? Guys like, well, yeah, yeah. there's somebody with a hand in the mouth and I'm like, okay, how did they make the rusting bitch face? Uh, well, then, then there was a remote control cable that went downward and somebody else behind the scene. Stop. Time out. Yeah. The mouth movement, when it was coughing, you could tell that it was a, at least at the very least a skin like material because yeah. the mouth was forming O's. It wasn't opening oh, like you know exactly. a, a jaw would open on a puppet it exactly 
which is what I've told FX people. It makes an O like a fish, like a, like if you caught a bluegill, it, it makes an O and you've got little ridges here and it makes an O and closes seamlessly. I don't see any animatronic making the O that seamlessly. And then the lip going downwards. I'm not saying it's real. I'm saying, come on, what is going on here? Then they tell me it's an animatronic. Then they, the FX people tell me it's the static body and somebody's got their head in the puppet. And then I ask them, well, the eyes have seven shapes. What do you mean? I'm like, I can show you seven stills where the eyes are round, kind of almond, round on top, flat on the bottom. Folks, do your own analysis. Um, then they're super round. And then they go, then they bulge when it's coughing. I, I mean, in 96, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some people might point out like, well, the effects in the thing or alien or predator were fantastic, but those are multi-million dollar Hollywood movies. Like we're talking about, like that's the level you need to achieve that mouth movement or the eyes being wet and almost glittering like a real person's eyes would, if they were in the dark like that reflecting light. Right. It's uh, and, and nonstop. There was no cut. This was one take. Yeah. Yeah. There's no obvious point where they were, setting anything back up i never even thought of it being somebody whose arm isn't a puppet yeah but the mouth was, is only like this big i know yeah. i mean i i don't think any of that makes any sense because as soon as right. i saw the way it's moving and it's being held by the two people they're shining the light on it i mean i just had no idea how you would fake that and have that level of control over the face Right. Like the facial features and movements while the rest of the body is moving around. There's just so much happening at once. And like you said, so much detail that's just hidden. And the, and the director and the CEO have said for 30 years and have said to me for five years, because I've communicated with both of them, we did not make the three minute video. So I kind of know, I'm going to know for sure the dollar amount to the red penny. I kind of know what they paid Victor. How is Victor, who didn't drive, took a cab to the Rocket Studios, didn't drive? How is a retired scientist who didn't drive organizing this massive production? Sound, mm. uh, special effects, monitor, the calling the studio or the spec of special effects people, wardrobe, catering, accounting, central casting, writing the script for Victor, which I have no idea because he knows things that were never known to anyone back in 96, like 27 being Yankee white, a security designation um, that, uh, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I, I that department of Naval intelligence is a real agency. Yeah. Um, it, it, this is just, you know, it's just no, one can explain this and they just the skeptics just the skeptics when i go on skeptical podcasts are at the point about we're about to stick their fingers in their ear and go liar liar pants on fire i i mean i don't know what else to do and you know I, I folks i'm just telling you what doesn't make sense i'm not saying i know what's real i i don't yeah. really know anything anymore that's how bizarre this thing has gotten and that's i think I kind think of our stance is that we don't we don't say that everything we talk about is true or real or that our guests talk about is true or real. We just, I, it's like, uh, I always go back to this line that Q said in Star Trek Next Generation, where he's saying, you're out, I forget exactly what the line is, but he's talking about you're out here on this trek among the stars when you should be considering the possibilities of existence. And it's right. like, there's a lot of possibilities out there. There's a possibility That's that right. even some aspect of the craziest stuff out there 
yeah. could be true. But this kind of stuff, I mean, I have, I have an uncle who worked for McDonnell Douglas and then I don't even know what company he worked for after that. They moved across the country. They were actually in Roswell for a while too, oddly enough. But I think it was when he was in Texas, maybe. Uh, he got really into this UFO stuff, you know, thinking that there was more yeah. going on. I don't yeah. know if he suspected something based on what he was getting. I mean, I know guys like Bob Lazar, whether you believe him or not, say that the military will kind of parse these projects out. You're going to analyze this particular aspect of, of whatever we're looking at. So I don't know if maybe work was coming across his desk that made him suspicious, but one of his coworkers apparently had somebody show up or two guys, what you would probably describe as men in black show up to his house and just say, you really should stop talking about this stuff and looking into it. And they just kind of yeah. looked behind them. He lived kind of out in the boonies and they're like, there's an awful lot of land out here. It would probably be pretty hard to find you something like that. Yeah. And yeah. his wife was like, you stop whatever it is you're doing. And then sure. told my aunt, you stop him from doing whatever he's doing too. Cause right. I know they talk. So yeah, I think my wife has gotten almost to that point, but thank God no one's knocked on our door yet. So, but yeah, I, 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 I get it. It's, 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 it's terrifying. I have been harassed electronically by the government. Um, mm -hmm. and it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's very scary. Yeah. And then the other thing that kind of struck me with the video for some reason, and I don't know what it is, something about the interview itself feels a little hokey. I don't know. I, why. I totally I don't agree. Know the voice changer or the way like the beard looks and the silhouette. Well, it was a, it was a, it was an added a little bit of an added beard and it was a, definitely a wig. Yeah. Um, I asked Jeff Broadstreet two weeks ago. I'm like, why the clicking? And he's like, well, that was done in post-production. He goes, I can't even explain it. He goes, I think it was because of the voice changer. And you know, I, he goes, I, I, but that was done in post-production, the question and then the clicking, like, you know, um, and, um, so, uh, you know, and the fact that Victor, you know, I think let's, let's be real, no matter what Victor was bringing forward, I'm sure Jeff Broadstreet said, look, I need a little theatrics. Sure. You know, at one point get pissed off and get up and, you know, see, that's what I would have done. I'm like, I don't care if you have Jesus Christ being crucified on a, on a, on a 16 millimeter film you know, threaten me or something. Let's make this a little, you know, um, because according to Jeff Broadstreet and Fox TV, who interviewed Victor before Rocket, oh, nobody thought to nobody thought to ask about Fox where Victor went first. You know, Victor was a pain in the ass. He was a little weird, very hard to deal with, very hard to get along. Um, I would think probably, and I'm just, this is my speculation that, you know, like the, well, this, this interview's terminated when he's yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. um, you know, like, like Jeff Broadstreet probably said, oh my God, we're going to be hearing a guy that's going to be about as interesting as somebody talking about algorith algorithms and, uh, you know, algebra, <laughs> algebraic equations. And I'm sure Jeff probably said, you know, at some point, you know, threaten to leave or something like that. So yeah. I, you know, I don't, I, I, you know. This is Hollywood, folks. I mean, let's let's give everybody a break. But it was Victor that that stopped me in '97 in my tracks, and I said because I knew a lot of actors. I was on the periphery of the Boondock Saints, just uh, mm. Troy Duffy and that whole group. If you great, know that movie, movie. yeah, uh, when he exploded himself in Hollywood and, and told Harvey Weinstein to go screw himself, and I was completely. I had one a friend, a good friend that was in that group. 
um, and he became a director actually. But uh, and so I knew a lot of Hollywood people, and everybody's like, an actor who could what kind of screenwriter before the advent of the internet and Google could could know to you know he uses a he uses, the, the biggest thing was the bean starts to flag medically flag that and I asked yeah. my doctor because I had a, I had a checkup a week later coincidentally and my doctor said where did you learn that term from I said it was on a documentary and my doctor said quote he's like that's like a medical term I learned in like Korea in the 50s and late 60s yeah. medically flagging freaking a 20 something year old screenwriter in Hollywood know a term from the 50s and have let Victor and then we find out Victor was in his mid 50s so that would con coincide con coinciding with him getting his degree in biology or his doctorate in biology whatever degrees he had um because I don't know that uh, for for ascertained fact because he's been sheep dip um you know they just it all makes sense like he would know 1950s 60s terms because he was in the medical community or scholarly you know physiological biological community in the late 60s early 70s and you know um who would think to do that i mean it's just come on it's a lot of stretches everything's just, a stretch well, everything's and, a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. And then the thing that brought me back, I mean, I don't know, man, for the, the periphery of the beard, it just reminded me of like Dr. Teeth and the Electra Mayhem for some reason that kind of scruffy just looked yeah. odd. But I guess you're right. If they're trying to make it harder to recognize him. Yeah. You would he did have a beard. Like I yeah. can't say this. He did have a beard and there was a lot of skin right here, yeah. but he's got fetal alcohol syndrome, upper lip. He looks like a 19 with the wig. If you put a truck driver baseball hat on from the 80s, he would look like an ESPN broad. I'm not, I don't mean to disrespect him. I've had people laugh with me. He looks like if you're, it's a Saturday afternoon in 1978 and they're showing a stock car race from, uh, you know, from uh, uh, Watkinsville, Alabama, and they're showing the lineup and Victor's going to be on there with the baseball hat and the Chevrolet, you know, and the Chevrolet, in the, in the uh, Nestle's Quick Chevrolet, it's 45, Victor. <laughs> He just looks like a southern football boy. Yeah, uh, not he's, he's he. We find he know through his bio from um, from uh, you know conjecture stories and from our lie detection expert that he's a West Coast person. The lie detection person actually heard him say "man, man," and he's like, "That's like a hippie chick, you know, man." He goes, "I am." confident that he lived or was from a California. And it's weird because that story, this guy knows nothing about this documentary. What does Jeff Broadstreet tell us? I picked him up for the 208 interview. He took a cab to our offices in 96. I mean, you're not flying to California and taking cabs everywhere in 19. I mean, you're probably doing that because you live somewhere in the vicinity or the area. Mm -hmm. just, but yeah, just my belief. Is his language brought me back around because we've i mean i worked in a at a military contractor for a while and we've talked okay. to people who've worked in that field with the military with the cia nsa stuff like that he spoke in a very similar way to people who deal with classified military projects and the logic in the interview where he's saying no i won't say that i was wait in the room. wait a minute wait a minute listen folks listen to this guy <laughs> yeah he won't say I was, Lockheed, I was on a podcast ryan he said the same thing you did he goes 
this sounds like somebody that one of my supervisors that, that yeah. or somebody that was would brief us on a on a special project. So I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I mean it's just that he knew not to say no. I wasn't in the room because that narrows down who it could be. Or I what you know he won't say I was or wasn't in the room. I did or didn't right. know this. You know my assignment was or wasn't that. I mean he was extremely logical and extremely evasive in a way that I don't think you would think you would be. I mean, just you don't see that in Hollywood. You don't see that in TV shows or anything like that. You don't have a guy tied to a chair being interrogated. And he's like, I can't tell you if I was or was not in right. that room at that time. <laughs> and even Ryan, he goes on the Art Bell show and he's arguing with Jeff Broadstreet, the director. He is arguing with Sean Morton because he read in one of Sean Morton's periodical newsletters that Sean Morton made a statement and Victor thinks it's wrong and he wants to correct Sean Morton. And then Victor goes nuts because they were one digit off on the phone number and the phone number was wrong. Is an actor causing this much commotion? No, a yeah, dickhead yeah. scientist who's got a pendactic personality <laughs> is causing that much commotion. Do yeah. you know anybody that's pendactic and scientific? You know, they are just <laughs> like Fox and the director, Jeff Broadstreet, said, weird, um, pain in the ass, tough to deal with. I have yep, dealt with pendactic people. They make you want to have tears in your eyes because no one could be that precise, but they have to because they're scientists. It's a yeah. horrible, horrible trait to have as, a, as if you if you want to interact with people and have friends and be nice. And and there's a, conject, there's a, a story that you can say is conjecture, but it was told to me that Somebody that didn't know Victor and didn't want to identify him said, I would love to have him on my scientific team. I would never want to be his friend. <laughs> now, why would somebody from intelligence say that to me? Why? Why, is that, why are all these people telling me the same damn story? This guy was a pain in the ass, not a nice guy. And he appears that way on every time he opens his mouth. It's a jerk. Yeah. For sure. But... I mean, that doesn't doesn't change the facts about anything either. No, um, no it does not. there's a couple things uh, that I wanted to talk to you about real quick. And I just want to sure. make sure we get it in before the end of the sure. show, because as I was looking around, um, you know, just bumping around on the Internet, I saw a comment by someone who claims that they're an alien abductee. And her comment was very powerful to me. It was just I didn't know anyone else knew that they moved like that end quote and that was the whitley, end. whitley Stryber said the same thing i'm going on a podcast from a gentleman in germany thank you so much for bringing that up by the way i i really respect that and ryan thank you for bringing up how contractors and military people talk <laughs> or whatever I, I appreciate that daniel growth he's starting his podcast up again he reached out to me four years ago he goes that that's the being that I saw when I was abducted. Not oh, the great wow. Ullman, that guy. Whitley Stryber said, that's how they move. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, another thing that I was thinking about uh, there, I don't know if you've heard of a YouTuber named Thinker Thunker, but he yes. mostly analyzes Bigfoot videos, Bigfoot. <laughs> but he does a fantastic MJ, job. I think it's MK Davis, right? MK Davis does do that. I, I'm a oh, fan of Thinker, Thinker Thunker. Thinker is not him. Okay. 
Yeah, okay. it's it's a they're very they do similar things. Okay, uh, cool. very similar things. Yeah, but, I know of them. I've seen his videos. Yeah, maybe send it over to him because he's he has software Absolutely. that he can pull things out. And I know that the video we showed is a little bit different than than what you've seen too, because ours is the version that's like darkened, right? What was yeah, the that's original the theatrical version? version? Yeah, Victor produces a bluish yeah. tint screen um of of the bean and um and so yeah i will definitely send it to thinker and for any of your viewers out there i have astonished people because i run to the special effects people right. tell me what you think because i am trying to find the truth i run to people like stephen cambion of truth seekers who's one of the most burdened skeptics about everything but i mm -hmm. can't learn i can't learn anymore if i keep talking to people that tell me oh yeah you're the greatest and it's real yeah. no 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 no. i want i want other you know objective opinions on it so i will definitely send this to thinker thunk and i and i and i i appreciate that I, I never thought to do that so when we're seeing this being uh you talk a little bit about set dressing um yeah. is, is so we we call him an or i guess it's a him right we call them an off-planet being Yes, or is it a just a non-sexual being in general, like genderless? Well, you know, Victor says, and from what I've been told, that this is, you know, it's again like just what Victor said: part machine, part biological entity, but not sentient. Mm. Although appears to be sentient, you know, they are created specifically for you know astral travel, and um, you know, they have this five mentality of their planet that they come from. These are the things that we have been told about um, about the greys. The greys come from the, the reticulum star system. Um, what reticulum means the neck because the one star is way out front. But the different types of greys come from different, and I might be hatcheting this, different solar systems in the reticulum star system. So that's why... This one obviously must have came from a different planet or a different solar system than the type one or the type two, or whether well, the type one created the type three that we see yeah, on the film. You know, that's I, a good point. That's, that's <laughs> way above my pay grade. Yeah, I mean, but we see it with humans here on, on Earth. You know, people that uh, evolve to live in different environments evolve to right. look quite right. a bit different too. And right. when you have an audience that pictures great aliens all one way, and, and I mean, I. As far as I know, if you just asked any random person, what does an alien look like? They'd probably either say short gray, you know, almond eyes or tall gray almond eyes. If you were going to make make it up, you would make one like that. At least I would. At least first thing I said, try. what am I looking at? Why isn't it gray? Why are the eyes wrong? It's the first thing I said. The first mm -hmm. thing I said when I saw it on TV, I'm like, what? it's the worst hoax in the planet. Why would you not make it look like a gray alien to take yeah. the heat off yourself? Why are you making one that's terracotta with round eyes? What? It doesn't make sense. It just don't, doesn't make sense. It's weird as it sounds. I just, I don't, I don't know what for the life of me, why that is. Unless that it's might be real. Yeah. Yeah. Now there's also, you know, we talked, I think we may have talked about it a little bit, but if you're a government and you want plausible deniability, you put the little fake screen in there, you know, and, and they say, well, that's not even a real thing. These these guys are making everything up. You hide the real equipment in the shadows that you're using or, sure. or off camera. Uh, sure. So if the government was doing this, they all know, hey, this is 100 percent real. I don't have to question it, right. you know, but we can make it look questionable for people that aren't 
100% sure. And that's kind of a, I guess, a, a shady way to hide things. But I mean, I, you have to look at that, too. We'll be back with John Stewart after a quick break. Welcome back to Cryptique with John Stewart. Yeah, and and they also didn't prosecute Victor because they would. Uh, this is what I was told that this is this film is blacklisted by the Pentagon. You don't talk about it. You don't acknowledge it. You shrug your shoulders if anybody even mentions it. Blacklisted, and they didn't prosecute Victor once they did find him out in two thousand and I believe it was two, right around the two thousand and eight after the second documentary. Um. Because of discovery, what are you going to do? Drag him into court and have discovery? Now you're giving legitimacy to the film. You're, you know, if if, if you're prosecuting him, the film is real. If you're if you're um, not prosecuting Victor, then you're doing that because the film is fake. Very smart by the government. Very smart. They usually so have people it all skeptics out. say, "Well, how could they not have figured out who Victor was?" They did figure out who he was eventually, but they didn't prosecute him because for fear of discovery. Now, David Grush tells us that we, that people in those programs don't live by the same constitutional um, mores and, and laws that we live by in the real world. I don't know if that's true or not, but um, I have been told that this has been totally blacklisted by the Pentagon, which means you don't acknowledge, talk about it, you shrug your shoulders, you do, I, I, the Ralph Cramden, I don't, I don't, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't know. <laughs> That's okay. the third time I've mentioned the Ralph Cramden and the Honeymooners in this investigation. I won't tell the other two. <laughs> so, so anyway, I'm kind of curious if you have any speculation as to if this is real, what are they doing? Like, what are they, what is the goal? I know they're trying to interrogate it in the interview. Victor saying that they're getting details, certain details that are being given to the engineers about the craft but he's saying it's essentially like trying to, because of the language barrier, they're using telepaths, they're using engineers. He said it's like trying to, I forget exactly what he says. It's something like but, it's trying to calculus explain, the, to, explaining calculus and the grunts and screeches of a chimpanzee. Yes, exactly, a chimpanzee. which is <laughs> I mean, yeah. fantastic. Fantastic. I mean, that's, a, that's a great writer. <laughs> if, if somebody made that up, I said, Ryan, Ryan, my right hand to God. I have said since 97, who, if this is fake, that writer is one of the greatest writers of all time. And Victor is one of the greatest actors of all time. Where are they? So thank you for saying that. Yeah. yeah you know, <laughs> I could tell you all these conjectural stories. You know, they have been coming here for hundreds of thousands of years. So the intelligence community members in these programs have told me and other people, um, I hate to, you know, it's, we are not on the food chain. We are the fish and we are the deer in the woods and the be the aliens are the you know department of natural resources. Yeah. They care about our, our future, you know, reproduction and 
but nonetheless, it's, you know, we are in the zoo and we are in the wildlife. And, and I've come to grips with that, with my ego. I have come to groups that I'm not on top of the food chain anymore. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the tagging and the, and, and the examining goes good. Sometimes it doesn't, but they really don't care about us. Um, yes, they want to, they want to, without too much tinkering my language, to help human civilization move forward so we can move forward collectively into the galactic community. But I've said this over and over again, when they take a look at our society and they see somebody bashing someone over the head for a $10 toaster at Target on Black Friday, I don't think they really think that we are ready to be part of the overall galactic community. I say that jokingly, but I am not joking. We are not ready by any stretch of the imagination. And a great story, which is conjecture, is that you know they they are in they are intrigued by our warlike our emotions they 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 are their complaint is we are too emotional which causes war and religions and fighting and death and you know th- this climbing to the top of society yet they're also intrigued why a mother would crawl through a block of granite to save her child they don't understand those and so that those emotions also intrigued them. Hmm. Pretty cool story if it's real. Um, that you know, one thing you know scares them, another one intrigues them. They don't have any emotion. They are emotionless. They are the beehive. Greatest explanation I've ever heard. I was just gonna agree that that we're not ready. <laughs> I mean, this alien is basically like a kid who fell into a gorilla enclosure and got captured by us somehow and he's being held. But it's like, uh, from the alien's perspective, not laughing at you, of, so it's such a great statement. It's reminding me of uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, where Ultron gains consciousness, comes to life, looks at the internet for five minutes and goes, oh, humans have to go. This. Right. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say one of the things that I really like that that you bring up to John is that you say it's entirely possible that our government is being manipulated across the board Absolutely. by these beings as well. Yes. So it doesn't necessarily I mean maybe now we all know the government's up to no good 99% of the time, but maybe this is that 1% of the time that they are trying to do what they think is right for us by hiding it and they're being manipulated by the aliens. So yeah, uh, I, I think that says a lot true. about where you're coming. I dare from anybody today. to find a podcast where I talk negatively about the government or the military. I don't. They, this is an incredible job. This is a crazy phenomenon that they've been trying to figure out for 80 years. And I, I know that they haven't figured out everything. I know they don't know the end result. I know they're confused and the government's not going to come to the public and tell them, there's, they're flying in our skies. They've been here for 100,000 years. They've manipulated our DNA. We're the creation of them. Religion is kind of about alien intervention in, in the world, and it's misrepresented in some religion. There is a God, but it's not the God that takes attendance with a white beard. And um, we really don't know the ending of the story. Come on. Do you blame a colonel or a general in the Pentagon keeping the lid on it? I mean, I don't. Don't say that I like that, but I don't blame them. And right, by right. saying that, I also say, but we got to come clean for, just give me a little bit. Give me a, give, give the world an hors d'oeuvre and we won't come back for the main course. Just tell us that this is real. 
you know, this is part of, you know, maybe yeah. it'll, people say, you're John Stewart, you're going to destroy religions. I think it'll shore up religions to prove the Quran and the Bible and, and, and uh, other, other cultures through antiquity that have said something came down from the sky, taught us, educated us, interacted with us, read with us, Genesis 6, our Bible, Genesis 6, they came down from the heavens and made it with the women of earth. So, you know, I think it's going to help religion. I'm, I yeah. think it's going to help religion. And there are a lot of indigenous peoples who claim that they came from the sky in some way or another. Every you know, culture. We came from somewhere else. We were brought here. Right. Whatever. Right. There's a lot of variations on that from yeah, variations, Americas, right. Australia, all over. Africa. Yep. Yeah. One thing I wanted to cover, and I know we've got just a couple minutes here, but I think it's important that you tell us about your interactions with MUFON and To The Stars, because I think a lot of people, okay. myself included, we look and say, okay, well, what's MUFON saying? They're on top of all this. They've, they're, they've got the best minds. They've got the best people on this. Sorry. And then I I'm hear- coughing. No, of course. Sure. No, but then I hear about your experience and it just, it's like, okay, well, who has an open mind? Then? Oh man. You, Somebody's got to have an open mind. Brian, he's revving me up tonight. <laughs> um, Sam Aranto is the Illinois director of MUFON. I sent him a letter. Hi, Sam. My name is John Stewart. Uh, you know, I recently ran for governor of Illinois. I'm a small businessman in Illinois, and recently I have done a self-funded investigation into a bizarre film that was allegedly smuggled out. I am at a point where I don't know what is going on, but something is pointing to the fact that this might be real. I don't know who else to turn to because I don't know a lot of people. I'm paraphrasing. Sincerely, sure. You know, could we have a five-minute meeting? Sincerely, John Stewart former candidate for Illinois governor. No response. Hmm. Second letter. Hi, Sam. John Stewart. I ran for governor. No, I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying it like, hey, look, I'm not a, you know, I mean, got a little gravitas. I got a little sway. Second letter. Nothing. National MUFON. Wrote him an email. Nothing. Not saying aliens are real. I got a video of an alien saying, could you help me? Could you give me some leads? Could you give me some names? Could you just hear what I'm, what has happened? Um, any, any kind of tidbit, nothing, nothing. So that's, I'm not going to say anything else because I'm a gentleman. So there's MUFON for you. They're turning, they're ignoring letters from people that ran for governor. Okay. Bless you. So, and to the start, well, you could send a report into them with a video and pictures, and you think you've got it turned into this company that or this organization that's going to, you know, disseminate it for you. And it's like, yeah, they might not even. And I don't care about calling Sam Maranta. I tell the truth. I don't give a shit. I don't care what happens. But you're ignoring a guy that ran for governor who's asking for your help. However, I worded it. it was very gentlemanly, very polite, non hyperbolic. To the Stars Academy, same thing. Now, I have communicated personally with Hal Putoff, Dr. Hal Putoff, who's been very patient with me. I've mm-hmm. communicated with Dr. Kit Green once. Um, I've communicated with Tom Kelleher, Bigelow, uh, Bigelow's assistant, who almost called the Las Vegas police and had a stalking order on me. I emailed him so much. I'm joking. But I emailed him so much. I'm like, this guy is going to arrest me for stalking. 
But to the Stars Academy, I emailed them twice. Every time I email them, same email. Hi, my name is John Stewart. I'm a, a former candidate for governor uh, and for United States Congress. Kellyanne Conway was my, I was her first political client, you know, trying to get some sway. I'm into this really mm -hmm. bizarre investigation. And all I get back from To the Stars Academy is send us, uh, here's our fundraiser page. You know, we need to be funded, right. Fund, money, 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 money. I went, that's it. I, I, I got done. I'm not cutting them down. I'm just telling you my experience. And people hate that, but that's what I am. I'm just telling you what happened. And that's what happened with facts To the Stars and with MUFON. I don't want to give Italian verbiage right now, what my mother would say. <laughs> you know, you know, it's like, you know, nothing, nada. So that's a shame. That's, that's a shame. That's sad. Sad. That's sad. Sad. Now you've you've written some books too, right? Can, can you just give uh, us a break? Yeah, came out in November of sure, sure. And um uh I came out in November of twenty-three. Uh, one day I saw um the UFO hunters on on History Channel or whatever. And they were talking about a second crash at the same time of the Ros the, the Roswell crash. And I went, I, I mm. thought I heard about this 20 years ago. Maybe I didn't. So I go on the internet and they only talk about one witness, really. So I go on the internet, I find this story here. 40 minutes later, I find this story over here, this witness over here. Two days later, I see that it's mentioned here. And, it, and I'm like, you know what? For my first book, so the skeptics don't rip me apart. I'm just going to collect all of the witness accounts who claim they saw the second crash. And that's all I did with some colorful writing. The book is called Magdalena, the second Roswell crash. It's on Amazon. If you'd like to buy it, that's great. Um, but, uh, and I gave a little blurb at the end of maybe who I think the needle kind of points to, well, who, what witness testimony the needle kind of points to, um, of maybe who you know, should we should give the most credence to. Um, but I just simply tell everyone's story and just leave it at that. My even my wife was like, you know, you're not finishing the chapters. I'm like, I don't want to finish the chapters because then it's my opinion. I don't want it to be my opinion. So, you know, it kind of like cuts and just goes to the next person and the next person. You know, there's some nice quotes on each chapter. I think people would would enjoy it. And and again, it's the first time ever someone has put together all six witness accounts of the Roswell crash. And now we have in the Ronald Reagan briefings that they claim there was three crashes. And now we have somebody else that just came out and I don't didn't write the name down who claims about these these uh, like like a pulse weapon or something like that. I, I have to go back to the video. So maybe there's a second edition in there to add these stories too. But I just really thought if I was frustrated, other people might be frustrated or appreciate that I just, you know, you know, uh, accumulated these stories and just put them in a book. It's a real quick read. It'll take you an hour and a half to read it. And it's interesting what other people say. Sounds interesting. Would you be willing to come back on at some point and just talk about oh, that Oh, I'd love book? to. I'd love to. Yeah, because okay. I, I know you're super busy right I now am. covering all this stuff, but you've got an open invitation. If you ever want to come I back and talk that. about yeah. anything, just absolutely just shoot us an email. As my wife says, that book is the first class ticket to the crazy train. I know my investigation is the crazy train. It's a, it's a second class ticket. The Magdalena book, the stories in there of these people, that's the first class ticket to the crazy trains. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, some of the stories are unbelievable. 
All right. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to wrap up with, John? Tell them where they can get in touch with you and stuff yeah, like that. If you that. want to go to my YouTube channel, you don't have to like, click, or subscribe. I don't monetize. I don't think it's monetized. I don't ask for money. I'm not that, and I, but I do think you should support YouTube creators because content creating is a full time job at times. Um, so yeah, the, the YouTube channel is hunting Victor documentary. If anybody wants to email me with anything pertinent, which has happened and it's great, uh, anything pertinent on this story or the phenomena that they think might be relevant. My email is John J O N without the H my middle name, Alan, A L A N Stewart S T E W A R T at AOL.com. Yes. I'm an old guy. I still use AOL. So do the <laughs> jokes and the uh, laughs and the, the rim shots. And, you know, so, but thank you for having me on again. I just want to tell your viewers and the keyboard keyboard skeptical warriors. I just told telling you what happened to me in the stories and vetting these sources and you have to take it from there. You know, and even when the documentary comes out, you're just going to have to take it on your own and, and figure out what you believe, not what I believe. I know people appreciate that. Yeah, that's words of wisdom yeah. that uh, we we kind of like to end on to, right. you know, do your own research. Correct. Before you go tear somebody down, go come up with the uh, alternative. So, Thank you. Final thoughts after a quick break. Welcome back, Crypt Keepers. Ryan, what are your final thoughts on this? I think I'm in line with mm -hmm. John. I The more I looked at this, the more times I watched it, the more I was convinced that it is unlikely to be fake, I guess, is probably the way I'm willing to put it right now. Because at first, like we were talking about during the interview, the interview part of that video seems so hokey and cheesy and, you know, unsolved mysteries kind of, you know, these, it, it looks almost as though, and maybe this is what they, well, that's probably not what they did. I was going to say, it almost looks like they had a real interview and then had somebody read the transcript of it in a different way. It just seemed very strange. But then the video itself the way the eyes reflect light, the way they're obviously, you know, imperfect on the surface and the way kind of light glitters, the way the skin looks, the way it looks like it's oily or whatever the way skin would be. It just, there are too many things that were done too well for it to be just totally a hoax. What do you think? I think that if it was a hoax, they did a masterful job. I think that if it was a hoax, they would have come out by now. I think that if it was a hoax, though, I believe they would have done more of the body or at least made a hand come up. Something that was like that aha moment type thing. You know, while when the alien's coughing, it's kind of down in the corner of the screen and it's not zoomed in on if you have you know software that you can do then definitely zoom in and look but i think that they would have made a hand come up or maybe had him turn his head to the side maybe cough something up instead of you know just yeah. kind of like they're wiping around his his mouth and nose and stuff like that um, i think that he would have actually 
coughed up something and shown a hand or something if it was a, a hoax. But yeah, I think I'm, I think I know where you're going. Cause I was kind of thinking the same thing, like the, the aspects of it that are really convincing are yeah. not obvious. The mouth movements, the eyes, the skin, those things make it look, I mean, even the gradation in the, the mm-hmm. skin color, it's not a uniform color. It's not like they had a block of like foam rubber and carved this thing out of it or anything. And it's all one uniform color all the way around. It's, it varies as it goes from like the head down towards the eyes, towards the mouth. Yeah. I would like to know. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. It's just totally non-obvious. Like these, these details that make it realistic, you have to really pay attention for. And I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it really does seem like somebody who didn't intend for this to be seen by somebody who wasn't supposed to see it. And if somebody did see it, there were obviously things that they didn't want you to be able to view mm-hmm. within that frame, which is why it was so Yeah, dark. and I mean, for all we know, that blinking light could be a lie detector. It could be a million different things. It doesn't have to be a heart monitor. No. I know that it reacts differently when the uh, subject is reacting with coughing or moving but i just i think that there would be that moment and although i believe that the patterson gimlin film is real there is that moment where she turns and looks and that's that moment you know what i mean that's the money shot that he was talking about and there's not really a money shot in this one and that kind of makes me think that, you know, it's got a, an air of authenticity to it since there's not that Hollywood moment. Right. And with the equipment, the way John was talking about, it's not standard stock off the shelf stuff. It would have taken effort. I mean, if I was going to do it, I would go to, I don't know, some kind of electronics resale place and get an oscilloscope and just put it up there. Cause normal people day to day don't see, tools like that they're not going to know what that is it looks scientific it would it would not look out of place in a scene like that but he's saying this is not what that is this is not what it's behaving like this is something that's probably custom yeah yeah the one of i do think that there was more going on in that video and i I wish that we could see some of the other equipment we didn't get a chance to ask him Mm -hmm. about the ports behind the subject there's things that look like square windows almost like they're screens um i mean you can pop the video back up if you have it handy but there's the square ports that are behind the being and it it looks like there's depth they don't look it it looks like they're cutouts in the wall almost with a a monitor of some sort behind them where maybe someone who's in the room can see back into that port and see what's going on on that screen but we can't see it with the camera does that make sense yeah they're not angled for the person sitting where the camera is for somebody else observing And that could be a lot of things. One of the things that crossed my mind is when you're setting up a scene for an interview, you have to have some light coming from behind and it's got to be, it can't be like direct light into the camera, but you have to have it to frame the person because if you just have the light from in front, 
it makes them look all weird and shiny and reflective and stuff. But if you have light coming from the back, it softens all that. So that to me, I would like to know more about it. It's a little bit of a red flag. Um, and I'll be honest, when I first saw the video, now when I looked through it, you know, several more times, I have kind of changed my opinion, but like, as it sits right now, it almost looks like it's just a video being projected onto mm. a wall. Sure. So, but I mean, there's, you know, he doesn't deny that he doesn't, you know, try and make excuses. Yeah. He's not that. saying it's definitely real, so, but right. yeah, I don't know what those could be And I mean, obviously we don't, see a lot of alien interrogation videos so maybe it's something that's at every single one of them yeah. or maybe it's set dressing i don't know nice. but i believe that john is 100 legit i don't think that he's bsing about anything i think that he's excited and probably in his heart of hearts wants it to be real as do i but I think that there's enough here that we cannot dismiss it as a hoax. And that's why we're telling you to watch the video. Don't just look at it for two seconds and say, fake, and look away. Really look at it and challenge yourself. And you pull out what you think is fake. And let us know at crypticpodcast at gmail.com. You can check out our merch at crypticpodcaststore.com. And you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash cryptique pi and remember the discovery of extraterrestrial life would be the most significant event in human history and i'm prepared to bet i think it's a good bet that it will happen in the next 20 years at least according to david darling good evening crypt keepers 